All right. Welcome back to Star Wars Meanderings and Ramblings, where you can find me on Instagram at virtuallykiri or on my blog, starwarsanon.wordpress.com. Um, sorry for taking a little break, but my family and I finally got COVID, as um, you know, Michael. And this is my first guest podcast. See, I said it, podcast. My first guest podcast slash audio blog, and I'm super excited because Michael Miller's here and he writes on my, my comic relief on WordPress. And Michael and I have never met, fun fact, in person, but we've done a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of phone calls, and he is now one of my good friends. So maybe one day we will meet in person. But anyway, welcome. I'm super excited, A, to be your first guest and to be part of the episode where you use the phrase podcast, right? So this is... <laughs> This will forever be a transition moment for your show, and I'm I'm honored to be a part of that. Oh, God. Maybe I'll go back to the next time. Maybe it's like only when I have guests, it's legitimate enough to call it a podcast. But when it's just me talking, it's an audio blog. All right. So today we're going to talk about Ahsoka and Ahsoka living, basically, in continuation forever and whether or not she should eventually be killed off. And it's a little bit of an unpopular opinion, I think. Um, it feels like a lot of fandom loves Ahsoka and they want her to live all the time. Now, to be fair, I when Ahsoka left Clone Wars, I loved her. I hated her in the beginning. So 2008 movie comes out. Oh, Quinn Stander. I wanted that character just to die in that movie. <laughs> like, I was like, why is she even here? Anakin never had a Padawan. This is stupid. He doesn't have a Padawan in Revenge of the Sith. She needs to, she needs to die. And yeah, then they over, don't even mention her. In Revenge I know, of the they Sith. don't even mention her, right? But over time, I really grew to like her. And I actually really liked the ending where she left the Jedi Order. Because in my head, it was like, she has to die. Like, she has to die. Either Order 66 or in some, you know, plot or mission that Anakin and her on. And I thought it was very appropriate. But as Disney has taken over, we've seen that Ahsoka continues to hashtag Ahsoka lives and it continues to go on and on and on. So I know you have a lot of points about this that you don't like. So let's talk about this. Should Ahsoka die? Yes. <laughs> and, and, okay, and end of further. podcast. <laughs> And she should have died a long time ago. But before I get, you know, just too much into the Ahsoka dies thing, I agree that I, the first, the Clone Wars movie was really awkward with Snips and Sky Guy, oh. and she wasn't in Revenge of the, the Sith, and that was really uncomfortable. But like you, I did grow to really appreciate her character, um, because one of the things that we don't get in the prequel trilogy um, is any really developed female Jedis. And we get that a lot with a lot of the characters in the Clone Wars. And I think Ahsoka is part of a lot of really fascinating arcs. And I think she's an important character, but she needs to just be just all the deaths. Like just let's <laughs> kill her and let's, we need, she, uh. so even when did she's you, in Rebels bothers me. When did you feel like she, you first had this feeling like, oh my God, Ahsoka needs to leave Star Wars. She needs to die. When they didn't kill her at the end of Clone Wars, really? So you thought? Yes. So I disagree with that because I really liked that ending, and yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, hold on, I just realized I forgot to turn off my notifications on something. Give me a second. <laughs> yes, this will be in it. Um, so I liked that because I got sad after a while when I was watching the Clone Wars, and I realized that you know she's not going to live, and she's not because she's not in Revenge of the Sith. So her leaving the Jedi Order and the, even that book—did you read Ahsoka? Yes, I loved that book. I thought it was really good, and like I, for me to say that, like a lot of the Star Wars novels nowadays, I'm like, oh, this is pretty brutal. But that one I really enjoyed, and I liked seeing like, okay, she can go out and on these adventures. When she came back in Star Wars Re Rebels, as one of the fulcrums. I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. I like this. She could really help, you know, create this, the rebellion and to have her have such a strong hand in that. That's so interesting. And then when we get to the last, what was that the finale of season three in Rebels when she battles Vader? I feel like. I think it's two. Either two or three. But I don't remember. It's, it could be two. Um, when that episode happened, I was like, what a fitting way to die. And it was such a good episode. I thought for yeah. all its flaws of Rebels, 
that episode was really good. And I thought this was just so fitting. Like Anakin kills his own Padawan. Like this is when you realize Anakin is really that badass that everyone is so terrified of. Or Vader, sorry. So like what but why but then why would you want her to die at the end of Clone Wars when we have this like really cool arc in Rebels where she becomes part of so much? This one of my my personal frustrations, I guess, with Star Wars storytelling is it feels, I'm not saying this is their plan or their marketing strategy or their writing strategy, but I'm saying it feels that the guiding principle on every show or comic or novel or whatever is, is this cool? And if it's cool, and if people are going to get excited online about it, then they're like, yes, let's absolutely go. So seeing Ahsoka come back is cool because people love her and they get excited about it. But well, I totally did uh, at the season one finale of Star Wars Rebels. I was like, oh, yeah. my God, it's Ahsoka. <laughs> and, that's, and so but the the so but I would even give that like, let's say she goes into the Rebels era. I can do that. And but Vader not killing her definitively because the, the power of that to see him, I would have rather seen Vader kill her at the end of Clone Wars, right? Like it's, that that's when she should have died in the purge or shortly after. Oh, if, so you're saying like Clone Wars would go into Order 66, almost yes. like what we got with the Disney tag on almost. Yes. Tag on um, I remember, and I have spent a lot of time trying to find this online. And I don't know if I dreamed it, it would be a macabre dream, but I want to say is Clone Wars was hitting around season four. I remember a really macabre marketing campaign where it showed pictures of characters like Ahsoka and Rex and all these people who weren't in the Revenge of the Sith. And the only word by their face was how. Like it was questioning, like, how do they die? Right? Because we know they're not making it out of the show. And I read an interview with Filoni a year or two ago where he said George was absolutely set. Ahsoka had to die because she's not there. Like she has to die in Clone Wars. And Filoni said, he's like, yeah, but I didn't want to let her go. She was, she was, I like her. There was more that I could do with her. So Lucas was adamant that she died. Filoni said, nope. And so they, they kept her around. Wait, um, I am going to interrupt you here. Is that okay? Yeah, For our listeners, I will bring this to your attention. So. I almost found the article again to send it to you. But Don't worry, I do my research. I Well, that's because I figured I would save you this part. Because, like, I've listened to you do the <laughs> research on the show. And I was like, if I just send Kiri the link, then it would just be there. But then I didn't. So No, that's okay. When I have guests on, I'm generally pretty well prepared. <laughs> I mean, I texted it to you, like, two years ago. But that I don't know that that is helpful now. Okay, so Filoni says, if Ahsoka rejoined the Jedi, she likely would have died in Order 66, a.k.a. the Jedi Purge. But that's also exactly what George Lucas wanted. I don't think it's a mystery that I've always been a bit more into the Ahsoka lives camp. And George has been very full on in the Ahsoka dies camp, Filoni said. So I thought expelling her from the Jedi Order is a good move towards that end. And we stand on that bold new frontier for her. Things have changed. She's not the same character. Ahsoka's departure allowed for her to live on as a powerful force wielder, but not really a Jedi. And with that, she went on to appear in Rebels and more. Um, so that is from um, yeah, I'm not even going to go into this, but yes. So that's what he said. There's camps, apparently. Ahsoka dies camps and Ahsoka lives camps and his in-between for all that was just having her leave the Jedi Order and it allows her to appear in more stuff. But then now we've got like a million things that she's appeared in. And and do we even want to get here right now? She time travels. Did I just bring that up? Should yeah. we talk about that right now? <laughs> Let's, yeah, because I for because everyone's listening and not watching us i was dry heaving through the feloni quote so i figured that <laughs> let's talk about the ridiculousness of time travel now um because now ahsoka can live forever which is the whole point like that's <laughs> that that is the whole point and it just but like this the okay should we backtrack for any listeners who haven't seen star wars rebels or it, aren't that invested? Because like you're, you're I tried to keep my, I tried to keep my blog actually only focused on the movies, um, but I do obviously talk about this stuff. So if you watch Star Wars Rebels, Ahsoka comes back. She helps form the rebellion um, with the other group of characters, and we leave off. Let's say season two, the finale. She ba- battles Vader, and it's very dramatic, but we don't see what happens. We assume that he kills her. 
And then what, three seasons later, how many seasons was Rebels five? Um, too many. <laughs> too many. I know it got weird. Um, then it got weird. And Ezra, one of the main characters, a boy Jedi in training, ends up in this time portal. And there's like Emperor Palpatine. And he ends up with like entering Ahsoka's battle with Vader and pulling her out. <laughs> I, I can't even like talking about it. it makes me laugh. It's just so shitty. Um, he pulls her out. And then now I can't, I honestly can't remember what happens. I remember she shows up and like talks to Sabine or something at the end of Rebels. But anyway, she gets saved. And yeah. then she goes on to show up in The Mandalorian. And now she's getting her own show. And it's just like, she's going to live indefinitely, I think. And I think the there's so many frustrations. But introducing a topic like time travel into to Star Wars, oh. right? Whether... Whether you're talking about Doctor Who or Outlander or Back to the Future, Harry Potter, or Harry Potter, that or that that Stephen King novel about JFK's assassination, whatever. If if you're gonna do a concept like time travel, you need rules for it, right? How does this work? Because if Palpatine has access to this power, why do you lose it all, right? Like there's no like he zips back in time, he picks up Padme right before she has the kids, she he raises them as his super little Sith kids, he goes back in time, murders the Jedi in their infancy. Get like there's any there's any number and as you you talk about it on the show a lot and and write about it, like Palpatine is a brilliant schemer. Yeah. He's not gonna sit on something like time travel and not use it to ensure that he never loses. Um and so you introduce this concept, but I think, like you said, the only the only reason to do it was to protect Ahsoka, because there. So it, you you introduce something as complex and and muddied in Star Wars as time travel with the way they applied it, just to keep her around, and and that to me seems problematic. Plus, I'll just say it because you read the quote: "If Lucas said she dies, she has to die." Period. I mean, that's that is. I am of that age, and I am. Yeah. The yeah. gospel according to Lucas, you that's it's his world, right? But, you gotta that's what we have to do. But Michael, he also sold Star Wars for four fucking billion dollars. Yes. Yes. So now Disney can do whatever they want. It doesn't matter if George Lucas is like, no, it's okay to die. There's still I think when we were texting about this, Spider-Man was the example that I used, right? So Stanley invents him and Steve Ditko invent him 60 years ago. This is Spidey's 60th anniversary. And I apologize for your purely Star Wars listeners. This will be a short example and then just <laughs> lightsabers again. So 60 years there, he has been in, in thousands and thousands of comic books. Dozens of, of writers and artists have done it. And that's just in comics, not cartoons, movies, all these other adaptations. But you can't deviate too far from what Stanley did. You need the power and responsibility. You need the Parker luck where everything goes wrong. You need the struggle for balance. Like those are, because you don't get to reinvent the world. You keep adding to it, you developing it. But so with Lucas, Star Wars is his sandbox, even playing, even expanding it, right? You, you still have to sort of follow that guide. And if when they developed Ahsoka, he was really clear that she didn't make it out of the Clone Wars. You, yeah, you have to stick with that. Like that, that, as far as I like, you can't. You just can't sort of shift that. That would be like making somebody else the chosen one. Oh, it's not really Anakin. It's no. It, they'll probably do that. Um, but it'll be yeah, Ahsoka. Yeah. It'll be Ahsoka. Let's say it right now. Ahsoka will oh. end up being the chosen one, which is how she can travel through time. I got goosebumps of anger just even <laughs> thinking about that right now. <laughs> like so angry. I still though. I mean, he sold it for four billion dollars. So. I still am holding by that. Like when you get $4 billion, you give up all rights, everything, uh, everything. But maybe it's, maybe it's not so much his. I'm coming at it from the creators who are playing in this sandbox. Whether I'm coming from it, it as like the corporate business giant. Yes. But <laughs> if you're an artist and you're adding to this world, there are rules in place. You can't just skirt it because you want to do something new with it. But like isn't that, like also art all about your own interpretation? And if yeah. and so if Baloney wants to add time travel and make his own interpretation to keep his character alive, isn't that 
still. And here's what I will say. There's plenty. He loves his his time travel. There's a lot of Doctor Who hidden in the Clone Wars, right? He used Gallifreyan script all the time. Heck, the Mortis episode is there's Episodes. a, a Oh, yeah. I love episode Mortis. arc. That's one of the trippiest arcs. But there is the temple on Mortis is remarkably similar to the temple on Vortis, which is a classic Doctor Who episode. Like it's the like it's the so there's all these great nods. He digs time travel and I and I like that, but it's just it doesn't fit in that world. I agree. I personally don't think time travel. I also didn't think like the Bendu and all that fit into Star Wars either, but that's neither here nor there. But I agree. I don't think time travel should have been something that was brought into it and i think you're probably right he wanted to save ahsoka he couldn't just let her die now we're going to come to like the larger question about the theme of star wars of life and death but i wanted to kind of bring up other characters which we're starting to see a trend that they're not dying so if we look at the original trilogy we have obi-wan kenobi as the first death real important death and then he goes on to become you know force it's not a force ghost. What do they call it now? I was just reading the other day. It's Did not they change ghost. it? It's not a force ghost. Anymore. It's not a force ghost. I was reading my Star Wars Insider and I was like, oh, hey, it's not a force ghost. I can't even remember. Okay, we'll call it force ghost. <laughs> so he becomes a force ghost and then, you know, Yoda dies and Luke kills Darth Vader at the end. All Owen of them become. Well, oh, yeah, I want to operate, but those are more. Uh, plot devices if that makes sense i mean it's all plot devices but that was almost like the the hero's calling right yeah Um, so they all become force ghosts then we move to the prequel trilogy and notable death is qui-gon jinn and i and qui-gon jinn if you know me is my favorite character of the prequels i love him he's he's my favorite i wish he didn't die in the first one and then darth maul obi-wan kills darth maul right after qui-gon jinn dies (laughs) excuse me everyone i still have a cough from covid um so then we move into episode two which is my least favorite do we have anyone that dies in there oh jango fat okay so that springs on huh shmi oh yeah so those are both like important for two characters right boba yes though you could argue we didn't need boba fat at all but whatever boba's back but he was cool so (laughs) yes yes he was cool but like that's a shimmy it's huge huge factor in anakin's you know yeah Fall to the dark side, almost like the village fall, of but... uh, Tuscans. He murders after her death. That's another pretty prominent. Yes, yes. Corpse collection. And then we go to Revenge of the Sith. Obviously, there's a lot of deaths in Revenge of the Sith. I think the most important is Padme, who loses the will to live. Which there's a great article on this in Star Wars Insider. I probably should have looked it up, but it, it goes into this whole thing about why it's believable because it's not. But they go yeah. it. it was a strong argument. So I really liked that article. Um, but she's the most notable, right? And like really is the clincher and turning Anakin to the dark side. So the reason why I bring up all these deaths and these movies are these are George Lucas's works specifically. Okay. So you could argue, yes, Clone Wars is George Lucas's work, but he was with Dave Filoni. It's not, I don't really consider that as like pure GL canon. Yeah. Now I He's overseeing of- it, but it's not the same as the films. I don't think so. Now I want to kind of look at like everyone who has not died, but has somehow come back to life in <laughs> like post movie Star Wars world. Okay. So we have Ahsoka, who we have talked about. A big one is Darth Maul, who actually did reappear in Solo, a Star Wars story. And so back in live action um, format. So Darth Maul obviously got killed by Obi-Wan, killed whatever cut in half went down this shaft and somehow ends up on a trash planet and is still alive and his brother um revives him savage oppress now we've got emperor palpatine in return of skywalker who's a clone you could argue but yes he, he came back to life we've got fennec shand who was killed in the mandalorian and in the book of boba fett she is put back together we see like this like almost like steampunk I don't know, right? Like it's like she's like. I've not watched the book of Boba Fett. Oh, okay, never mind. (laughs) Well, no, you can. I'm go. Feel free to talk about it, but I. It's like it it reminds me of steampunk. There's like these lame steampunk characters, and then we see this backstory of how Fennec Shan comes back to life, and she gets all these like 
machines and contraptions put into her. And she reminds me of the quote, she's more machine now than man, like more than Darth Vader yeah. almost. And um, then that also happens at the end of Book of Boba Fett. Like the last scene is Cobb Vanth, um, who's an awesome character. But Cobb Vanth, who is in The Mandalorian and then in Book of Boba Fett, is getting put back together too by this steampunk dude with all these machines. So again, we have this like repeating thing. And then most notably now with the um, Obi-Wan Kenobi series are the Inquisitors. They just don't die. Like the Grand Inquisitor. I was like, no, he's dead. And I even talked about on my on my audio blog saying like, maybe someone else becomes a Grand Inquisitor by the time we, you know, have yeah. Star Wars Rebels. Maybe it's not this guy and he just died. And then Reva, it's like, like you said, when we're off air, like putting a lightsaber through someone's stomach anymore no longer kills them. Poor Qui-Gon Jinn. I would have loved to see Qui-Gon Jinn continue yeah. on in the movies. But no, he was dead and Lucas killed him. So I just kind of wanted to review that and like do a compare and contrast of like post Disney and the movies of Star Wars. So we can kind of segue into let's talk about the theme of Star Wars that was important to George Lucas. Go. Oh, I, I didn't know. If, I didn't know if it was the. So no, when I, look okay, at. Okay. No, I will go back. So you had told me that one of the major themes of Star Wars is accepting death as a natural part of life and part of a beautiful transition to another sort of existence. So this is what I want you to talk about. Yes. So when you look at, at Star Wars, the original trilogy, and then even the prequels as a, as a story, we know Lucas was a, a you know, disciple of, of Joseph Campbell, right? Like they, he read all that. And one of the distinctions that, that Campbell makes between a myth and a folktale is that a folktale is a story told for entertainment. A myth is a story that is told for spiritual instruction. And so when Lucas using Campbell's works and, and saying, you know, again and again, that he set out in everything else with Star Wars, he wanted to make a modern myth, um, that spiritual instruction has to be part of it. And really, the, a lot of the frustration I feel with some of the new Disney canon stuff is, you know, the loss of that. But so when you look at death particularly, um, the all, like the the oldest evidence we have of human religious thinking or human uh, mythological thinking are graves that we found, um, uh, Neanderthal graves. And so anthropologists and historians will posit that, especially in a hunter-gathering lifestyle, you don't bury bodies with food and tools and weapons if you don't believe some sort of life is coming next, right? Like that, so otherwise you're giving up something that could keep you alive. And so what's fascinating about that then is going back evolutionarily to, you know, and not even just like from the very beginning of us as a species and other, you know, um, and other ancestors around us, we have thought religiously. We've always done that in humanity. And so all religions and all mythologies have to answer the question of death. Like Campbell talks about that all the time, this idea that that death the, why does death exist? Why why does existence end? Um, any religion that or mythology, they're pretty much the same thing if they're stories for spiritual instruction, that doesn't answer that is going to fade off. Like that has to be essential. So one of the things that Lucas does in the original trilogy and the prequels is explore death. We see death. Death is... Uh, it's sad, but it's part of it. Like you, you see, he gives us a vision of heaven and an afterlife with the, with the force ghosts, right? Like this idea, whatever they're called now, you know, this idea. And then in the prequels, Anakin's downfall, his path to the dark side is because he can't let anyone go. Yoda tells him rejoice for the people that, that, you know, transform into the, the living force and that scene in attack of the clones when he's like i'll even learn how to stop people from dying yeah. like that we know that's not like a yay anakin that's a we know that that's going to be problematic so in this era of star wars where we can't let ahsoka go we can't let anyone go we fundamentally on a storyteller level abandoned one of the things star wars was supposed to do and and not just abandon it but you're undercutting it like if if the point is that death is a natural part of life and it leads it leads to a new existence and that needs to be celebrated, 
in Filoni's refusal to let Ahsoka go and making everybody who was on any live action show a cyborg to bring a steampunk cyborg to bring him back. <laughs> um, the fact that Palpatine just shows up at the end of a trilogy when you don't know how to end it anyway. But like all those things, we are, it's, it's a, it's the opposite, right? Like we're good. That's Anakin's path. That's the dark side. Hey, we can't ever let anyone go. But then like on a narrative level, but then practically we, we've lot like we've abandoned what it's supposed to teach and and it's no longer functioning as a myth and then i think you could argue that it's no longer the same story yes it's no longer star wars because it's such an essential part of lucas's saga yes it's it's become fan fiction and not always great fan fiction right like that's like we're we're i i I once stumbled on like a fan fiction piece where Ahsoka starts traveling with the 10th doctor and then they get into, and there's weird inner saga sex and things like that, that happens as that you know, seems to happen you, a lot in fan fiction. Yes. <laughs> but so, but so like with that, right. I would never expect a version of Ahsoka animated or live action to bump into the doctor. Those are two completely separate universes. It doesn't work that way, but in fan fiction, that's cool. Anything goes run with it. But so now the shows that they're putting out, especially something as central as making our peace with death, seeing it as something beautiful and natural and not something evil. Um, well, does he, I don't know. I would kind of argue. I don't know if George Lucas was trying to make it something. I don't know if I ever, I ever felt like it was something beautiful. I do feel like it was a part of life that was yeah. an acceptance. Like, ugh, I, I, I don't have the best words for this, but like as a child, when I became obsessed with Star Wars, I was around 11 or 12. And it was helpful to be like, this happened in Star Wars. How did they react? How did they move forward? What happened next? You know, like how did the Jedi deal with this? And to have that, sorry, I'm pausing because now I'm thinking of like the kids growing up with Star Wars now, they're watching all their characters die and come back. And it's moving from maybe, like you said, maybe it's moving from mythology to storytelling. Yeah. It's entertaining. It's cool. Right. So we're going to bring them back, but it's no longer spiritual messages. Right. And this is like, kind of having this cool effect on me because I'm thinking of myself as 11 and 12 and like how that helps. And it does to see like, and he made these, these movies for kids and people argue that back and forth and no, it wasn't. Yes, it was blah, blah, blah. But like, I think obviously that he kept the child in mind, the nine, 10, 11 year old in mind when yeah. he made these movies and to show them that like, yes, you can die, but also become more powerful in death. There's something about that. That is just so interesting. And then imagining myself now watching star Wars, and there's just like a lot of this carelessness yeah. to the to the shows. And like, and then of course I'm sitting here like I almost like don't want to say that because I do love the Mandalorian. And you know that. Like the Mandalorian, like I'm on I'm watching it again for a second time because I love it so much. There's just something about that show that like I I like in solo. I love, love solo. Um, but when I think about like the book of Boba Fett, when I think about the end of Star Wars Rebels, so I think Star Wars Rebels started strong, and then I think it just got weird. Yeah. It was like stuff like that where I just feel like they're starting to get careless and they're starting to forget the root of Star Wars, which maybe is this mythology and this yeah. Joseph Campbell hero's journey. And like instead of like it's almost like a popcorn hero's journey now, right? It's like yeah. you you like go on this like circle and then right as you get to like 75% of the pie eaten, it's like, nope, let's go back to the beginning and bring them back to life and give them another. It's just like you restart in Super yeah. Mario world over and over again you get another life <laughs> and that's something i've been thinking about a lot too because we know that that disney is trying understandably when you pay four billion dollars for something to create a universe around star wars similar to what they have with marvel right and so i've been thinking about that a lot um and all these thoughts are only partially formed just like big things that are sort of marinating and i'm like well maybe i'll write about it but it's it's not there yet so um I apologize, and you're welcome to your listeners who get to watch us sort this out as we go. <laughs> but um, but so I don't know if you can necessarily or easily create a universe out of 
that because that myth needs to have an end, right? Like the hero learns something. And then the hero brings that, they, they either go to, to among the gods, or they bring that knowledge back to everybody else. And then everybody else decides, do we embrace this and live a transformed life? Do we become saved and, and protected in that way? Or do we reject the hero's knowledge? And so if you keep inserting new heroes and new hero's journeys and new again and again and again, like it, it waters down the effectiveness I mean, even, and I love the EU. I will, this is a hill I will die on. I will take the most awkward EU novels, Crystal Star, Children of the Jedi, all the, all those weird ones over anything Disney's put out yet. I, I will, I will. And that's, that's a whole other conversation for another There are day. some but, good EU novels. Oh, there's that's amazing I'm going to say. There's some that are good. Um, there are also some that are horrible. But. <laughs> But even that, even in as, as much as I love the EU, you still have this awkwardness because the story ends with Return of the Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's salvation. And, and if Anakin is meant to be the chosen one, um, he descends to the dark. He, he becomes redeemed when he, he saves Luke, which incidentally watching him murder Ahsoka and then save his son makes Return of the Jedi way more powerful. But no, right. she can just slip into a time tunnel, whatever. Um, <laughs> But, but and then so she he, talks to him, which you haven't seen the book of Boba Fett, but then she's talking to Luke Skywalker, like, hey, you're just like your father. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> and I'm gonna show up and tell you this after all the important stuff. I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pop up once everybody hears about this Skywalker hero who destroyed the Death Star. But I'm doing other things. <sighs> Whatever. Time travel. Um but so um, but so, so even any stories after Return of the Jedi, it's a struggle and I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's, it's a struggle to honor that mythic message. And so, but I, I don't get the sense that Disney is even trying. And again, not to say that that's, that the shows are unentertaining in a lot of ways, but I, I, I don't think there is any hand on the wheel to be like, Hey, this was designed to be more than that. Like it was designed for children growing up in an era when Lucas felt they were, they had, you know, they didn't have any good solid morality plays. He wanted to give a modern myth to to kids. Um, He wanted to say, Hey, let's, let's talk about this. Let's think about what God could be. Let's think about what death could be. Let's talk about good and evil. And that's just become pew, 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 Mm. pew, pew. Oh, you shot me in the chest and then cut off my head with a lightsaber, but that's okay. Because I was angry yeah. enough, and so I lived, and now I'm back for that. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I just keep going back to like when I was a kid, and how much it affected me. And um, I think I wrote about this once on my blog, way before you were even following me. But I had the first—I guess you could say—the summer I became obsessed. I'd seen Star Wars prior, but I never—it never really clicked with me. And then for some reason, it did that summer, and I just fell in love. And I created this Jedi journal. I wanted to be a Jedi. And every single day, I would write down what I did that was not Jedi-like and what I did that was Jedi-like. And it was like a pro and con list almost. It was like Jedi actions and non-Jedi actions. And like I I did finally throw it out. I wish I had kept it. But it was like I hit my brother or yelled at my brother was like non-Jedi, right? I was really mad. And then like. I showed a lot of patience and accepted my brother as who he is. Like there's like, others like kind of, it was a lot about my brother actually, because he was like seven <laughs> or six. Um, so like there was all that as part of it. And it's like, that is the spiritual part of star Wars. That's not just like a good guy character. That is like something yes. that's deeper. That is speaking to me. Like Yoda's words are like being internalized. The Jedi code is being, well, there wasn't any Jedi code, but like, you know, like that basic understanding of the Jedi way was being internalized. And Luke Skywalker to me was the ultimate, most amazing hero. I loved watching him get angry at the end of the return of the Jedi. It felt so like real, like relatable. Like he was furious and he was going to kill his dad. And then he rose above it. And he was like, ah, like everything in me was just like, I want to be him. I want to, I want to be a Jedi because that's what a Jedi is. And I think having that, that fundamental part of me be so affected by Luke is why I was so devastated with the last Jedi, like just torn up. And, and I, I mean, this is not, I have someone else who wants to, to join me for a conversation on the last Jedi. So this is not one, but I think you're really hitting on something again, to come back to like this natural part of life and death. And are we ignoring it? When we look at my list of Ahsoka inquisitors, Emperor Palpatine, Fennec Shan, Darth Maul, 
are we ignoring that mythology aspect and that spiritual aspect by keeping these people alive, these characters alive? And I, what's, what's incredible about that journal, right, is that shows in your own personal experience how his story worked. Because while you weren't framing it in like a mystical, religious, prophetic, mythological light, you sensed in watching that story, there was something more. It was different, right? Like it was, you you knew that there was something. And, and so that's what mythology is supposed to do, right? Yeah. You didn't, it wasn't like you were in like a religious studies class or a world mythology class and you were right. Like it, you just watched it and that affected you, Um which is awesome. And now I'm going to have to go back and find that post and like it. So anybody who listens to this, who then goes back <laughs> and finds that post will be like, oh, Michael I, did that. Yeah, no, I don't even know it. what it was called. I wonder if you search like Jedi Journal, you could probably find uh, that. That's, that's my afternoon. <laughs> After this, I'll, I'll figure that out. Do you know, like, okay, do you want to know how intense that journal was? So I would, every week, was like a new beginning, basically. Like a new yeah. chance to be a Jedi and really follow it. And I would get the newspaper out or magazines and I would cut out different letters, like a, like a ransom note or something, right? <laughs> cut out different letters and glue on a page of the every new week, a star Wars quote from Yoda. Like that would guide me during that week. That, like, <laughs> I love that. But it I was love so that. much work. Like, why did I cut out all these little letters? Like, why did I just write it? I don't know, but I would like, Every Sunday, get out the like Sunday newspaper with all those like ads in the middle of it, you know, like stop and shop deals and parade magazine or whatever was in there. And I would cut out all these letters and do a quote. And I remember when I picked like um, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering because Phantom Menace was out by then and like that was a long one that was a lot of letters to cut out i remember that yeah that was the whole day project <laughs> and i remember if you like why am i doing this but it was like really important for some reason to cut out those letters tangent but yes i i do think that that this is important and i think that we have no control over it and we probably so i mean that i guess that begs the question what next for ahsoka what i mean Obviously, what's swirling around online is that she's going to go find Ezra, right? Yeah. There's going to be in her live action show, will there actually be more time travel? Where are we going to see this like really play out in a live action way? Yeah. And I think, but because naturally she would go recognize or uh, rescue another recognizable and fan popular favorite. And then maybe two episodes of the Ahsoka show will then be setting up the Ezra spinoff show. So that will be like, there was those two, what was it? Two or three episodes in the book of Boba Fett that were like the beginning of Mandalorian season three. They just yeah. sort of popped up there on their own. It was like um, Mandalorian season 2.5. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, so I'm sure they would do that, but I, 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 I would not be surprised. I said it sarcastically earlier, but I would not be surprised if inside of 10 years, if she becomes the chosen one or a new incarnation of the chosen one, or that that was Anakin's role was to guide her, blah, 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 blah. Because I, if nothing else, I think she's, she's become this, this very center of Star Wars storytelling. I agree. I agree. I'm still hoping I think for I, her to I think die, I'd though. rather Grogu be the center. <laughs> I'm so obsessed with him. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I think Filoni can't let her go. And it's just going to continue like this. And this is going to be how we, like, we're, like, Star Wars away from the Skywalkers is going to be Ahsoka. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't want to say that. Oh, I don't even want to speak it into existence. No. (laughs) Do you think we'll ever get this mythology? Do you think we'll ever come back to this more core of what George Lucas was trying to bring? Or do you think that's too risky? In an individual story or as an overarching guiding point for Star Wars, do you mean? Um, Individual. I think the right author could do that. I I think they could capture and sort of weave that in. Um, I mean, I remember I was even thinking when there was all that speculation about who Rey was, right? Um, After The Force Awakens. And I thought, well back when I still thought they were paying attention to the mythology part, I'm like, well, maybe they'll do this. And I was thinking like, okay, we always read Anakin as like a, a Christological figure, right? Like he's the the savior, the redeemer, and, and that's his, his job. But I'm like, what if the chosen one 
is more Hindu than Christian, right? Like, what if it becomes, um, what if it's like an, an avatar, right? Like Krishna, uh, be, you know, is there's there's twelve incarnations of of Krishna that show up when when humanity needs the gods to guide them. And so I'm like, that would be cool, right? Like they could, and then that way Disney could keep making the trilogies, and they could have, you know, a hundred years from now another chosen one rise. It becomes like the force incarnates in a new way to do that. But no, it was just Palpatine's yeah. clones. Uh, but is this, this another that, no we can't go on for another hour <laughs> um, <laughs> but but so I think an individual can I don't know that Disney because and again I'm not saying this at any fault to them because they are a corporation who spend a lot of money and are looking to make money I don't think they care which is one of the things that fascinates me when you watch people argue online there were so many people who hated the prequels who would would and even going back to the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi, Lucas was just about merchandising. He was just about merchandising. Oh, yes, he did make a lot of money off of Star Wars. But well, that didn't had... sacrifice. Did, they, did it... I say that in one of my blogs? I mean, my audio blogs? Didn't I talk about how he, the reason he made so much money was because he wanted the merchandising um, yeah. royalties? That was and, like, they in were your real Star Wars day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, they, and the, the company was like, well, okay. Sure, if you really want that. And then he made like a cash cow. Like, of course he was interested in merchandising. Yeah. And and so, and who's going to fault him? Who's like, hey, I want to make a huge saga and just make, I would like to be in the red afterwards. No, of course he wanted to make money. But he still had that overarching vision of what it was supposed to be. And whether you love, hate, or are indifferent on the prequels, it tells a story. It fits with the original trilogy. The problem now with Disney from a mythological standpoint, not from a business standpoint, because they have all the money, um, from a from a mythological standpoint, is there's no hand on the wheel that's thinking about those things. Right. Yeah. Like there's no like I know if you look at like the EU, like Lucas was famously very hands off, but he would veto certain story ideas. Or I remember Vector Prime. It was he was like, yeah, Chewie has to die. Mm-hmm. We've we met, had too many novels. We need to remind people that this life is not safe. And and the author whose name I'm I'm blanking on uh, at the moment, um, Ari Salvatore. Did he write Vector Prime? Anyway, he I remember reading an interview in Star Wars Insider where he was like, I did, I had no desire to do this because like people would hate me. But so like there was still, he would still like nudge the ship one way or another while allowing the creators to do their own thing. Um, but but that's not the case. Now they're just like, how excited will social media get? How much can we make off of this? And so I I don't think there will come a time where where mythology will guide the, the be the that the central heart of Star Wars, but I do think individual filmmakers, novelists, comic writers can do that within a self-contained story. But no one's going to pay attention to it in the next movie because they're just going to do whatever they feel is coolest then. And Taika Waititi is doing a movie, which I'm. I I you know how I feel about Ragnarok. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen Love and Thunder yet though. <laughs> I I love. I would say Love and Thunder is the best Thor movie out right now. Like, ever. like I, was, I would go so far as to say, and there's a piece that I'm working on this on my side in the work. I think it might be the best movie that ever has Thor in it, um, which very few MCU fans would, would agree with me there. But I, I adore it. I think it's exactly what a, a Marvel movie should be. Okay. So in your, in your ideal world, how would we rectify what Disney has done? What would happen next? That's a really good question. That's why I'm. This is why you have the more professional microphone, and I'm just <laughs> talking into the computer mic because that's 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 host material right there. Um, that is. So you have to take everything as it is, okay? So you can't yes. like go back in time. We're not time traveling. No. Everything is as it is right no, now. We will not fix any time. problem with time travel. <laughs> no, I I think they need people who as opposed to like the story group which apparently their job is just to tell people why they didn't make a mistake online um there they need somebody with backgrounds in religious studies and theology and mythology to who understand this stuff to sort of say like okay tonally this doesn't make sense like you can't do this like Ray's whole hey I can heal people 
in The Rise of Skywalker. The whole point of the prequel trilogy was that that's a Sith power. And then she's like, yay, I just fixed you. And that's cool. Somebody somebody who's paying attention to this. And so that's what I think they need. I think they need people who understand Star Wars and understand the the mythology to sort of rectify it and you could pull it back together right like you can you know start to assemble these pieces I also think it would help if anybody if they just had to read anything that anybody else did right the idea like and that's why the sequel trilogy is so great who's raised parents oh they were just like you know nobodies who sold her for drinking money but no they're really like they're nobody's paying attention to what anybody else is is doing and that's uh that's frustrating well do you think Um, they kind of just took that from marvel right like they did the different directors yes um and i think part of though and this it works in marvel it does right like it works there's different directors there's different but there does seem to be a cohesive somewhat cohesive i think he seems to have a larger vision although honestly I think they're starting to hit trouble like I saw this interview with Elizabeth Olsen where <laughs> Sam Raimi and everybody who did Multiverse of Madness never even watched WandaVision so they were just like okay so they just so Marvel is I I would not be surprised if inside of five years we're having the same conversation about Marvel but it feels like up to this point there's there's been a clearer vision of what they're working towards so directors can put their individual stamp but they'll say no you can't use this character or no we need this character to do this or, or, mm-hmm. or something like that. And so I, I think there needs to be, I think Star Wars needs to stop. I think we need a couple years of nothing. No shows, no anything. Let's at least a year. Let's have writers retreats. Oh, in Marvel Comics. I don't know if they do this with the MCU. Once or twice a year, all the authors get together at this weekend long retreat where they pitch ideas. Who's using what characters, what story arcs are coming up so they can figure out here's how everything ties together. And I think so they, Star Wars, uh, to, to interrupt for a second, they are doing that with the higher the High Republic. Yes. The High Republic, which nobody even remembers that's a thing. But, and I haven't read anything about it, but they do do this on these like retreats where everyone gets together. And so, but that's, but that's the problem, right? So like they're experimenting in this little corner that nobody's really talking about. And even Disney isn't advertising. Um, But, and, but they need to do that. I think they need to take a deep breath and say, okay, where are we going? And, and have, find advisors who can sort of, look over scripts and not say like, oh, this is stupid. I don't like what you're doing with this character, but say theologically, this doesn't make sense. Mythologically, could you, could you, but, the, but, 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 okay, now I have another question. Could you even do this like theological mythology standpoint if you don't have the Jedi? Yes, because the force, and this is actually one of the really cool things that I think the Disney canon has introduced and then done nothing with, is the idea that there are people who worship and connect to the force yes. who aren't the Jedi or the Sith. And so to say that you, yes, absolutely. To say that you can do, um, they bring it up in the aftermath novels as well, like in those little insert chapters and, and things like that. Um, even, and so the idea of the Knights of Ren, right? Um, but so the idea that I don't think the force is limited to the Jedi. And so this idea, if we're to look at the force as an analogy for God and the way God moves, that's why we have different religions, different mythologies, different stories, because people experience the divine in different ways. So they could do that. They could they could open it up to say, well, how else does the force work, right? If you look at, you know, all our prophets across religious traditions, you know, they're all talking about their inspiration coming from the divine, but they're, they're, the core of the messages are very similar. But there's so many beautiful differences and cultural differences and all these things. Like, they could do that in the Star Wars. They just need to, <laughs> to, to, to slow to the point where they could implement that. And I think that could even be a way to rectify it, right? Like, what do we do? They, they could do a story where they could look at Rick. And look at Ahsoka and look at maybe, maybe the force has ideas that we don't understand, right? Maybe it uses different people in different ways. Like you could sit down and sort of put it back together. Um, but that would take time and a commitment to that as opposed to just being like, well, we can sell a lot of toys and a lot of people are going to get Disney plus because they're now excited about this show. Right. I agree. All right. Well, this has been very enlightening. I think this was good. I think this is a good place oh, to wrap Oh, it was so up. much fun. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. I want you to share your stuff for 
any listeners who want to find you, where can they find you online? Okay, that's good. So the blog- what do you have in the works? You have a, a book in the works? Oh yeah, I have a I have a book. <laughs> uh, that's super exciting. Uh, that's coming out for Claremont Press in their new religion and comic series. So that is in peer review right now. And then we get to go into editing, af- like formal editing after that. So that'll be fun. Um, and what is it about? Just give us a brief. The uh, prophetic dimension of modern superhero comics. So basically, can superheroes do anything to help us concretely save the world, as opposed to just showing us how to punch Thanos in the face when he gets a sparkly glove? It's um, good. I've I've read some chapters. It's, You've read pretty good. much the, the I've whole thing. I've read the whole thing. thing. Okay, yeah. I know I didn't want to say that. But. So this one, no, <laughs> Kiri is being modest, but the book only exists in large part because she helped me at every single level <laughs> at it. So that was, um, so yes, that is you're being far too modest and you should be showering praise on yourself. That was very interesting. Um, and you have a blog. Talk to us about where to find you on your blog and you're on Twitter. Um, the blog is mycomicrelief.wordpress.com. And basically it's this conversation but just typed whatever rambling thoughts pop into my head. Some are more academic essays. Some are just me ranting about things. Some are, and so it's got comic book stuff, uh, Doctor Who stuff, Star Wars stuff, uh, Marvel, DC, all that, that movies, uh, things like that. A lot of Spider-Man. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. There is just anything you ever wanted to know about (laughs) Spider-Man's love life. That was the series that I didn't realize I was creating, but that's been going for like, like five years now, which blows my mind that I've stretched wow. Spider-Man's dating life into a five-year series. Um, and so Twitter, I don't know, it's like at my comic relief, but there's an underscore somewhere. So I'm not 100%. It's my comic underscore relief. Oh my gosh, my you under- really need to get better at this when your book comes out and we're yes, practicing on we your do. marketing. Is- oh my God, you don't even know your Twitter handle. No, because you know what? When I log on to my phone or computer, it's just there. So this is, this is this is one of the many things you have to teach me. I think it's my underscore comic relief. Is at my underscore comic relief. You're right. Yes, I got there <laughs> all on my own with no oh certainty, God. but I got there. But I knew the blog address. That one I had. Yes, but there's different my avenues for people to find you that you need to get ready for. Okay, we will work on that offline. All right, so thank you so much again. And I'm going to post this hopefully soon. It's been a good conversation. And so I think the point of all this is that we think Ahsoka should die. Yeah? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. As soon as possible. Maybe her <laughs> series finale. That can be it. All right. Dave Filoni, are you listening? We've got we've got a few, like, things we want to talk about. <laughs> oh, he can call us. We can help him set it right. <laughs> you can be the person that they talk to for the theological guidance, <laughs> right? <laughs> all I right. mean, I wouldn't say no to the job. That's... No, I wouldn't either, even though you have way more experience than I do in that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks. I appreciate it.